Hello, welcome to the podcast at Chesterfield Baptist Church. This morning's message in our series on wisdom is entitled Wisdom and the Home. Please enjoy. If you have your places in Proverbs chapter 24, I'm going to ask you to stand one last time in respect and reverence to the Word of God. We're going to read two verses of Proverbs chapter 24, and that's going to be verses number 3 and verses number 4. The Bible says, Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding is it established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. The title of the message this morning is the wisdom, I mean, is wisdom and the home. Wisdom and the home. Let's pray one last time. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today and ask you right now to clear our minds and open our hearts and allow us to meditate and allow us to fill ourselves with your word. Lord, I pray that we leave all the things that go on in life, leave that out, set that aside. And make ourselves available only to you right now to receive your word and to make ourselves closer to you and to gain this thing of wisdom. Lord, please, Lord, I beg of you, give us a good service in here this morning. For as it's in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, I want you to remember what we talked about last week is the reason why wisdom is referred to in the book of Proverbs as a woman. Um, talking about her and she, anytime wisdom is referred to in the book of Proverbs. And you have to understand the context to which the book of Proverbs was written. The book of Proverbs was written as a father talking to his son. My son, get wisdom. My son, hear my instruction. My son, my son. And so this is a father talking to his son. And just like any father would, grow, would expect their son to grow up and have a relationship with a woman, and the Holy Spirit would expect that too, just like this son is going to grow up and have a lifelong relationship with a woman that will be his wife, our Heavenly Father wants us to have a lifelong relationship in the same way with wisdom. Just like you, uh, 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 a son would grow up and have a lifelong commitment to his wife, we are to have a lifelong commitment to wisdom. So that is the reason why wisdom in the book of Proverbs is referred to as a woman. And you know, that's what we talked about last week. And uh, I, I want you to remember that this, this father is calling on this son to get wisdom. He's saying, son, I need you to get wisdom. If you don't get anything else, get wisdom. And just like that father is calling on that son to get wisdom, our heavenly father is calling out to me today and calling out to you today. He's calling out in the book of Proverbs. Yea, he's calling in the whole word of God. He's calling me and you to wisdom. 
It's like that father is calling his son to wisdom. Our heavenly father is calling me and you to wisdom. And you know the reason why that father is calling that son to wisdom? Because that father knows at the end of the day, wisdom is going to be all that matters. Wisdom in your life <coughs> is going to be all that matters. Why? Why is wisdom going to be all that matters? Because wisdom can change everything. Wisdom can change absolutely everything in your life. Wisdom can change your personal relationships. Wisdom can change your marriage. Wisdom can allow you to be seven years sober. Wisdom can change your life. And that is why wisdom is so important. And so what's the point of my message this morning? The point of my message this morning is I want to show you from the Bible why wisdom specifically in your home, why wisdom in our homes is the most important thing. I want to show you this morning why it's so important. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and jump right into the message this morning. My first point this morning is wisdom is so important because it leads to a home that is strong. It leads to a home that is strong. Let's read verse number three again. And by the way, keep your Bibles handy. I'm having you turn to a lot of different scriptures today. So forewarning, you won't get another one. Uh, verse number three. Through wisdom is a house builded and by it understanding and, and, and it and by understanding it is established. Look at first that first phrase. It says, through wisdom and house is builded. This is an amazing truth. It's an amazing truth because the Bible once again is calling us to wisdom. It's calling me and you to wisdom. Do not underestimate the value of wisdom in your life. Do not underestimate the worth of wisdom in your life. Wisdom is very valuable. Wisdom holds a lot of, a, a lot of worth. But foolishness, here's that phrase. That phrase that says wisdom, through wisdom a house is builded, foolishness hears that phrase and disregards it as nonsense. Oh, that's just a little metaphor. It doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just a little fun thing to say. And foolishness disregards it as nonsense, but wisdom, wisdom takes that as an absolute truth. If you have wisdom today, that is taken as an absolute truth. It is an absolute truth if you, if you have wisdom, that through wisdom is a house builded. Now I want you to consider this morning all the blessings that will come in your home through wisdom. I want you to consider this morning all the joy that will be a part of your home because of wisdom. Your home will be, because of wisdom, will be so rich and wisdom will make your home so full. It'll be like you're living in a brand new place. Wisdom is that important. Wisdom will change everything about your home. But foolishness on the other side, on the other hand, the flip side of the coin. Anytime you talk about wisdom, you got to think about the other side of the coin, which is foolishness. They're two sides to the same coin. Foolishness, on the other hand, is a detriment to your home. Foolishness. Uh, think of all the hurtful words 
that are spoken out of foolishness. I can remember back when I was a kid. I honestly thought when I was a kid, my parents got divorced because of the remote control. Because where is the remote started every single argument. And I promise you that is not, I would take the remote and I would find it and I would leave it there so they could have it. Because that remote control would start every argument. Think of all the hurtful words that foolishness brings in the home. Think about all the dumb, the dumb decisions that are made in the home because of foolishness. Man, the wrong judgment that, that allows us uh, to follow after things that will hurt us and allows us to follow after things that will wound us and to follow after things that will break our families apart. Let me tell you something this morning. Wisdom will bring strength to your home. I say you're building a, you're building a, you and your wife are building a house. Foundation is poor. The studs are up on the inside. The outside walls are done. The studs are up on the inside. The roof is on, but there's no flooring. There's no sheetrock and there's no, there's no ceiling. You go into that house and you look around and you're just so excited and you look to your wife and you say, you know what? Let's stop construction and move in today. And you know what your wife is going to say? Uh-uh. No. Why? Because it ain't pretty yet. It ain't pretty. But you know what? That concrete foundation and that, that the, the, the roof choices and the studs that are up, they might not look pretty, but when the storm comes, you're going to be glad they are there. Wisdom might not look much to you now, but let me tell you something. If you don't reinforce your home with wisdom when the storm comes and the, the winds blow and the rains come down, your house is going to fall because you're going to be glad wisdom is there. It's not, it's, it's not easy, but wisdom is the structure of your home. Wisdom brings strength to your home. Without wisdom, your home is weak. But with wisdom, provides strength for your home. Wisdom provides security for your home. Wisdom provides safety for your home. Look at verse 4. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, it's funny. In verse 3, wisdom is the structure of the home. In verse 4, wisdom is the decor of the home. Now listen, if it was just up to me, if it was just me, I'm a guy. Give me a bed, a recliner, and a TV. I'm good. Maybe a rack to hold my shotgun. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm good after that. I'm, I'm okay. You know, we, we guys, we don't need the ruffles. We don't need the nine pillows. We don't need the doilies. Okay, we don't, we don't need those things. You know, your wife, she, she puts up a, a nice picture of a water pot, and you look at it, and you're like, is it a famous water pot? Is that why you put it up? You know, we don't, we don't need things like that, but, you know, I, I poke a little fun, but, but honestly, if it were left up to me, just me, we'd just have a place to live, and it'd be a pretty boring place, too. But you know what my wife does? My wife, she takes my half, house, and she turns it into a home. My wife, she, I'm thankful for my wife because she turns our house into a home. Wisdom builds a home. Wisdom also fills a home. 
So wisdom not only affects the external, wisdom affects the internal. You know, just like you can walk into a home and you can look at the pictures on the wall and you can admire the flooring and you can admire the drapes and maybe they've got a china cabinet and got some nice china out and, you know, it's just nice and it's, you smell the potpourri and it just, it just seems like a nice home, like somebody's put some care in it and somebody's put some thought into it. Unless you got some little kids and you're kicking toys everywhere, oh, that's the way we are now. But, uh, but, you know, you walk into a home like that and, and, you know, you can just tell somebody put some care and some thought. The same as when you walk into a home full of wisdom. When you walk into a family's home that's full of wisdom, you can sense the wisdom. You can smell the wisdom. You can see the wisdom. It permeates your senses. Yes, this couple, hey, they're not perfect. They're just like me and you. They're not perfect people, but they fill their home with wisdom, and you can see it, and you can tell it. Verse 4, it says that wisdom brings that which is pleasant. Of course, sin is ugly, so sin is unpleasant. You want your home to be pleasant? Fill it with wisdom. Let me ask you a question. Is your home pleasant today? A lot of homes these days, they resemble war zones. That's why the men work so much. That's why they got so much OT. Because they're, the, they're, the, they're working so much at, at, at work so they don't have to come home. And they get off work. And they drive around the block six times to get the courage to go in the door. You know, does your home resemble a war zone? Or is your home pleasant? You know what the difference is? The difference is wisdom. Wisdom can make your home strong. But there's another thing I, I, I want you to see. And the reason why I want to tell you this is because God goes out of his way to say this in the book of Proverbs. A woman's role in building the home for wisdom is vitally important. Women, you have a big, big role in this thing of filling your home with wisdom. Do not underestimate the woman's role in this thing. Let me read you a verse. Proverbs 14.1, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Some of the strongest men of God were raised by the strongest women of God. And women, you have the, the role you have in the home is so vitally, vitally important. Wisdom is the strength of a home. Which here's my second point. Wisdom is important for the home because it leads to a home that is blessed. It leads to a home that is blessed. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33 for me. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 33. Wisdom is important because it leads to a home that is blessed. Let's read Proverbs 3:33. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Now, what do we have contrasted in this verse? We have wickedness versus righteousness. We have a curse versus a blessing. So ultimately, this is foolishness versus wisdom. 
The blessing on your home does not depend on how big it is. The blessing on your home does not depend on how much square foot it has. The blessing on your home, it it doesn't matter what neighborhood it's in or how much it costs. That does not matter when it comes to the blessing of your home. The blessing of your home depends on how much righteousness and how much wisdom is in your home. Turn to Proverbs 20, verse 7. Proverbs 20, verse 7. I want you to see these verses. Proverbs 20, verse 7. You know what I'm going to give you in this verse? Listen to me, parents. Parents, listen to me. Parents, I'm about to tell you what the greatest gift you can give your children is. The greatest gift that you can give your kids, mom and dad, is what I'm about to tell you right now in Proverbs 20, verse 7. It's the greatest thing you can give your kids. Let's read it. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The just man walketh in his integrity... His children are blessed after him. Who in here does not want their children to be blessed? That's what we want for our kids. How do you do that? What we have in this verse is we have a model of parents discipling their kids. This is a model of parents discipling their kids. And it's a progression. Think about it. We all know uh, where does wisdom begin? Fear of the Lord. So we have the fear of the Lord, and that leads to wisdom. Wisdom leads to righteousness, and righteousness leads to blessing. So we can, all, we can all agree on that, but what we see specifically in this verse is we see the greatest gift that a parent can give a child. And what is the greatest gift that a parent can give a child is this. is the parent's sincere pursuit of of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, that is the greatest gift that you can give your children. So if I'm a just, or that means righteous, if I'm a righteous man and I'm unwavering in my pursuit of righteousness and I pass that along to my kids, then that's the greatest gift I can give them. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, uh, but uh, there's an example of this in 2 Timothy 1.5. 2 Timothy 1.5, I'm going to read it for you, and this is Paul here speaking about young Timothy. Paul here is speaking about young Timothy, and he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned. Now, unfeigned means sincere. That's what unfeigned means. So, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned or sincere faith, that is in me, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. What do you know? We got women playing a big role here. Some women in Timothy's life playing a big role when it comes to wisdom. We have some great women raising a great man. And, uh, and I am persuaded in thee also. Any grandmothers in the house? Mama, let me tell you something. Mama got as much credit for Timothy as mom did. Grandparents, you don't understand. You don't, you don't realize sometimes the influence you have of your grandchildren. It's important that you stay with the faith. But what Paul is showing us here is Paul is showing us that how he's showing us how a sincere pursuit of faith on the part 
of Timothy's parents greatly influenced, without a doubt, undoubtedly influenced Timothy's life. So just by Timothy's parents living for God and pursuing faith and doing right, that influenced Timothy more than anything else. Timothy was saved. Timothy was called into the ministry. Timothy served God with his life because his parents, his guardians, he had a mom and he had a grandmom that sincerely pursued after Jesus Christ. And because of that, that was the greatest thing that influenced Timothy's life. So, here's the question. Parents, give your kids an example of a sincere pursuit of righteousness. So when it comes to raising kids, what, uh, what is the most important thing to remember? When, when, when it comes to raising kids, what's the most important thing to work on? When it comes to raising your kids, what's the most important thing you can work on? Self. Self. Self is the most important thing you should work on when it comes to kids. Before you can change your kids, you got to change yourself. All, a lot of times, all we do is we just shove rules down kids' throats, thinking that rules are going to change them. Rules aren't going to change them if mom and dad doesn't follow the rules. How can you expect your kids to follow rules when mom and dad won't follow the rules? That's not going to change them. That's going to lead to rebellion. That's what leads to resentment. That's what leads to rebellion. Mom and dad had me doing this stuff all the time, and all the time they're over here doing this. I ain't never going back to that church. It's not about shoving rules down their throat. It's about don't make your kids follow rules you don't follow. Rules are not going to change your children, but your righteousness will. Mom, your righteousness will change your children. Dad, your righteousness will change your children. It's not about rules. It's about your own righteousness. So that's the most important thing to work on. And the greatest gift that you can give your kids is for them to watch you sincerely pursue after the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Your kid, you, you can fool many people. Man, you can't fool your kids. They know when it's sincere. Junior and Sally, they know when mom and dad is putting on a show and they know when mom and dad is for reals. We, we, me and the boys say for realsies. We know, if mom, we know if mom and dad are for realsies, okay? Or if they're just faking. The kids know. I'm going to switch gears a little bit in this message. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you the fruits of wisdom, uh, the fruits of wisdom in the home. These are the three. I've got three of them. The three fruits of wisdom in the home. Go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 15. Proverbs 5 and verse number 15. This is the fruit of wisdom in the home. And I'm going to give you the first fruit here. The first fruit of wisdom of home is this. It's a husband that is filled with love. 
a husband that is filled with love. Now, let's talk about, before we read this verse, let's talk about the context the verse is in. In chapter 5, this father is is warning his son about the adulteress. So this father is warning the son about the adulteress. And here in verse 15 in chapter 5, the father is telling the son how to love a woman. He's telling the son how you're supposed to love your wife. And that's what he's he's here in verse number 15. So let's start reading in verse number 15. Drink water out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the street. Let them be only thine, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind and a pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? So this is a father teaching a son. And what this father is teaching this son is your love is for your wife, and nobody else. Your love is for your wife and nobody else. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to skip a couple of these verses. Some of these, these verses paint a little picture here, okay? It's a little intimate, these verses are. But there's a reason why I read them. And the reason why I read these verses is because what we need is we need some dads that are not afraid to talk to their sons like this. We need some dads that aren't embarrassed and some dads that have the courage to sit down with their sons and explain to him how you're supposed to love a woman. And we need some some dads that aren't embarrassed to do this and some dads with some courage to do these things. You need to sit down and teach them and open the Bible and say, Son, this is how you love a woman. Son, this is how you're supposed to love your wife. Son, listen, your love is for your wife only. It's not for everybody else. Don't let your love spill out into the streets. Your love is just for your wife. Dads, are still time, dads. Sons at home, it's still time to tell them. Let me say this. If you're a man in here today, if you are a man, you have a problem with lust. If you're a man, you have a problem with lust. If you're in here and you say, Brother Brett, I don't have a problem with lust. Well, now not only do you have a problem with lust, but you're a liar. If you're a man, especially a red-blooded American man, you have a problem with lust. Listen, that's how we're made. That's how we're put together. That's it. That's how God made us. We We are visual creatures. That's just... That's just how we are. And when a man looks at an ad or looks at another woman or looks at pornography, even if we don't actually cheat, if we lust in our heart, Jesus says, it's just like we cheated. It's just like we actually did the act. Man, let me tell you something. Your wife is supposed to be the most special thing to you in the world 
How can she, and she's supposed to be the most beautiful woman to you in the world. And how in the world can she be the most special and beautiful woman in your life when you're out here spreading your love to everybody else? When you're out here and, 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 and you're, sending your, you're sending your love out to the internet and to the billboards and to the women at work, and then when you get home to wife, you ain't got no more love to give her. Your wife is supposed to be special. Let me tell you something. Our wives are supposed to be special. And though certain that love, your love you have, that is reserved for your wife and your wife alone, but you know what wisdom knows? Wisdom knows verse 21. Let's read it. For the ways of man are before the Lord. Listen, listen, husband, you're not going to get away with it. God will see it. God sees it all. He sees it all. Turn to Proverbs 7.21. Proverbs 7.21. Now, we're, what we're doing in Proverbs 7... As we're still talking about the adulteress, this is still a continuation of the father warning the son about the adulteress. And so uh, let's read in verse number 21. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With flattering of her lips, she forced him. You know, that fair speech, that smooth speech. That fair speech could not only be the, the seductive conversation of another woman, but it can be a billboard on the road. It can be an image on the internet. It can be an email or a private message from somebody you don't know. And you know what these things are? This fair speech, these smooth words, they're lies from Satan, they're lies from hell, and they'll lead you to Satan, and they'll lead you to destruction. You have to hate these images. You have to rebuke them. You have to get away from them as fast as you can and say, I'm sorry, my eyes are only for my wife. You got to hate them. Verse 22 he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter. You see that? You click on that image, you're on your way to death. Verse 23. Till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteneth to the snare and knoweth not it is for his life. You're on your way to death. That's where that image will take you. That's where that video will take you. It will take you there and you'll ruin your life and you'll throw your family away. Don't be drunk in the lust of this world. Be drunk in love for your wife. It is possible. There might be a man in here today, you're struggling with an addiction to lust. Maybe struggling with an addiction to lust. And even in a crowd this size, I dare say there's some men in here that are struggling with that. But let me tell you something. You can get victory. I promise you, you can. If you get down on your knees and you come to God and you beg God to help you and you start making, <coughs> you start taking small steps. Look, 
You didn't get in this pit overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. But you start taking small steps and you start making yourself accountable and you tell somebody that you trust to keep yourself accountable and you pray and ask Jesus to help you and you fill your heart with the word of God. You can get victory and then you can take your place as a husband in the home that is full of love and that is a fruit of wisdom of the home. Here's the second fruit of a wise home. It's a virtuous wife. Turn to Proverbs 12, please. Proverbs 12. A virtuous wife. We have a husband that loves, and now we have a virtuous wife. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 4. The Bible says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness is in his bones. A virtuous woman is a woman of noble character. What I'm about to do today, we're not going to turn to Proverbs 31. What I'm going to do today, Proverbs 31 tells us about a virtuous woman. And I'm going to give you some of the traits of a virtuous woman from Proverbs 31. A virtuous woman is faithful. A virtuous woman is pure. A virtuous woman is respectfully submissive. A virtuous woman uh, is unmovable in affection. She delighteth to see her husband honored. She seeks to cover her husband's failings. She is a lover of the home, and most of all, she fears the Lord. Now listen, women, listen. I'd imagine you hear that list. That, that, that's a pretty long to-do list. That's a pretty long to-do list. And you hear that and you think, really? I have to do all that? Are you serious? That's what I have to do? I'm not doing 10% of that. I have to do that whole thing? I, I can't do all that. And you're right. You can't do all of that. Don't think of it as a to-do list. Think, it of a, think of it as a Christ in you list. It's not a to-do list. It's a Christ in you list because you can't do any of that except through Christ. Without Christ's help, there's no way you can attend to every, every, every aspect of a virtuous woman uh, all by yourself and all alone. You can't do it alone. You have to have Jesus' help. You have to have Christ's help. You have to get on your knees and you have to say, Lord, I, 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 that's a long list and I can't do all of those things by myself, but with your help and with me begging you every day to help me, I can do it because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Amen. Woman, you can do that. Christ can help you. What does Proverbs 31.10 say? It says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Ain't that right, men? Amen. Virtuous wife is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Turn to Proverbs 10. We have the fruit of a wise home. We have a husband. This is the last scripture I'm going to have you turn to this morning. We have a husband that loves. We have a virtuous wife. And number three, we have children that bring joy. 
children that bring joy. Now, Proverbs chapter 10, it's a transition from the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Uh, chapter 10, we're going in a different direction. We're transitioning into a, a, another section of the book of Proverbs. And uh, because we're, we're doing something different, so let's go ahead and read uh, verse 1 of chapter 10. The Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. You know, it's almost like the first nine chapters are telling us what a son should be and instruction, instructing the son, my son, get wisdom, my son, hear my words, my son, hear my instruction. And we're instructing the son and instructing the son. And here in chapter 10, verse one, the first phrase of that verse is kind of a summary of the whole first nine chapters. So if the son does everything in the first nine chapters, we come to chapter 10, verse one, and that's that son. That's him uh, right there. Um, he maketh his father glad, um, but he's a heaviness to a mother if he's a fool. So we have, what we have here is we have wise children bring joy to the home. Now, young people, our young people must understand that where wisdom starts for them is Jesus Christ. Is a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. But, you know, we, we have this thing that our teenagers and this is uh, our teenagers and young people in their early 20s. They have this thing that they think the whole world revolves around them. They think the whole world revolves around their friends and the whole world revolves around their vanity and the whole world revolves around their popularity. And I'm sorry, young person. I'm sorry. You are not the center of the universe. The universe is a lot bigger than you. And the sooner you come to realize that, the better off you will be. But all we have is we have, we have teenagers that gain their freedom through age. And as soon as they get old enough, they leave never to darken the door of a church again. Children, young people, love the Lord. You have to because young people, let me tell you something. If you, there's no greater joy that you can give to your mom and you can give to your dad than you loving the Lord. That is the greatest joy you can ever give your parents. But you don't do it because of them. You don't do it because of them. You do it for, because you love the Lord and then have joy. It's, it's, just, it's just an after effect. It's just, it's just a side effect. You do it because you love the Lord. There was a young man and he lived next door to this elderly woman. And he would carry in the groceries for her. He would take the trash to the street for her. He would mow her grass. And then one day this elderly woman, she came to the, she came to the young man and said, you know, you are such a, you're such a great young man. How did you turn out to be such a good young man? And he said, well, actually, when I was a boy, I had a drug problem. And she said, oh, I, man, 
I, didn't, I, don't, I don't see that. How in the world? I don't see how you could ever have a drug problem. And he said, yeah, when I was a boy, I had a drug problem. My parents drugged me to church on Sunday morning. They drugged me to church on Sunday night. And they drugged me to church on Wednesday night. Now listen, you know, some parents, they don't make their, their kids come to church. I'm not just talking about kids, I'm about teenagers too. Some parents, they don't make their kids come to church because they're afraid if you make them come to church, they'll resent it. Well, do you make them brush their teeth? Have you ever heard a teenager turn 18 and say, I ain't never brushing my teeth again because my parents made me do it. You ever heard a teenager say that? Listen, if the teenager is going to turn 18 and stop coming to church, they're going to do it whether you brought them or not. So you might as well bring them. Because it's the best place for them to be. Don't give no 15, 16 year old teenager the option to come to church or not. You tell them to get in that, that car and come to church. You are under my roof. Listen to me, husband. Listen to me, wife. Listen to me, young person. It's wisdom that builds a house. Is there wisdom in your home? 